The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. I think when we come to the Gospels uh, generally, uh, we're like we're we're right to say something like these are foundational texts, right? I mean, the the Gospels uh, are are the foundational texts of of Christianity. Um, you know, we have we have to go there to to build the strong edifice that that God wants us uh, to build in faith. Uh, but when it comes to foundational texts, this is a foundational text of the foundational texts, right? This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, which takes up uh, three chapters in, in the Gospel of Matthew, is, is absolutely essential for our lives of faith, for our lives in Christ. Uh, our lives are meant to take, take up the pattern of Jesus' life. This is, this is where these three chapters are where he, he preaches uh, his message of the mission, all right, so we we uh, perhaps we perhaps we recognize that we're we're called to be on mission with Jesus. It, it makes sense to say a, a word about that because here Jesus is is vision casting, right? He's, he's telling us what it looks like to be on mission with him. He's he's already called his disciples, the people who have, who are who have been called into that relationship with him, that that relationship of of love, of trust and obedience. They're being called into that relationship with him and he's giving them some sense of what this mission looks like. Perhaps a perhaps a parallel will help. Um, when we when we look at uh, what Jesus is doing here, uh, remodeling Israel or or calling a new Israel into being, it's, it's running very much along the same lines as the call of Israel itself. He, here already in Matthew's gospel, Jesus has been in Egypt and has come out of Egypt. He's been baptized. He's made, he's made his way through the waters, right? And he's made his way into, into God's promised land. Here he gives the law. Just as in, um, in the Exodus, we see uh, Israel being freed uh, from their slavery in Egypt, making their way through the Red Sea waters, Ending and, and, and giving, a, giving a charter for a, a new life to be lived as, as a people in the Ten Commandments, in what Moses, in what Moses gives them. This, this is then Jesus's, was, ah, that's too weak. I was going to say, you know what I was going to say. This is Jesus's version of the Ten Commandments. That is, this is too weak. We're going to keep the Ten Commandments and we're going to go for more. This is, this is what Jesus-shaped living looks like, yeah? And this is what, this is, uh, say, what we ought to expect uh, to, to encounter as people living the new Israel movement that Jesus has, has called us to be. So I think it makes sense then to look at, uh, you know, I won't say mission statements, or we get kind of boardroom and, and very boring very quickly, uh, 
but but I want to look at you know you have you have for example our parish mission statement. I know you have it committed to to to, to memory and it's and it's on your heart. It's the way you live. I get it. But let me look at it. Let me look at it a little bit different one that I think is more say kind of general Christianity, and that is to say we have we have been called to live lives of great love. Yeah, and okay, so let me, and I'm going to refine this for you, but I want you to hold on to that because that is what Christian life is about. It's about living a life of great love. Okay, now, as soon as I say you have to live a life of great love, sorry, I said it wrong. I'm sorry. I don't want to do this. Um, I didn't say you have to live a life. I'm saying this. Trusting and following Jesus, right? Uh, God, God-centered living, Jesus-centered living, right? We've been called to new life in Christ. Yeah, we, in our baptism, we have died with him so as to rise with him. We have new life. We've put off the, we've put off the old man in all its uh, kind of errant ways and, and, and the rest, all the ways that, that lead to death. And from death itself, we've been saved. We've been, we've been called into new life. We've been summoned into new life. And the way we are to live that life, right, the shape and pattern of that life is the life of great love, right? Every, everything we are and everything we, we have has to express or participate in or be the life of self-gift that Jesus has called us to. So the, the life of self-gift, I was, I was reading in, in um, uh, St. Josemaria's writings no, it wasn't. It wasn't. So, no, it was St. Francis de Sales uh, just yesterday. He was talking about the ecstatic life. So what does it mean? The ecstatic life, the going beyond yourself life. And we go beyond ourselves in two chief aspects. One, in praise of God, where we're going outside of ourselves to, to pray him, to, to pray to him, to praise him, to worship him, to pour ourselves out. And then in his service, we're also that same that, that ecstasy, that going outside of ourselves, right? That's the life of self-gift. That's what I'm trying to get at with the life of self-gift. We've been called to that life. Everything we are is supposed to be self-gift, okay? Now, that is the pattern of Jesus' life as well, right? We see, we see that in Jesus. This, if we want to say the life of great love, then we're looking at Jesus. That is the life of great love, yeah? I know there's much more to say there, but I don't want to hold you up all day, of course. <laughs> yeah. That is the life of great love. But we have to add to it. Because that's, in and of itself, that's not, Christ, that's not Christian enough. How do we live that life of great love? Because we recognize that as soon as I say, you have, we, we, are, we are striving to live the life of great love, we recognize that we're never going to get there whole and entire. But we can, actually. We get there by faith. So we get there by entrusting ourselves to Jesus. We get there by trusting and following him. And it's the power of his life of love at work in us, his Holy Spirit at work in us and working through us that enables us to live a life of great love. Okay, now I, I, I left out one word that I usually offer. Okay, so we, li- so we are called as Christians to live by faith the life of great and costly love. Why costly? Because we're, we're in a world that makes us pay for it. <laughs> it's, just, it's that simple. Go out and, lo- go out and love. Go out and, go out and love someone, people, 
a group of people, a whatever. Go out and love. Live the life of love. There's a pretty good chance you're going to pay for it. And you might pay everything for it. And you know what? Blessed are you when you pay for it. Why? Because now you have clarity of mission. You have clarity of purpose. So it's not just a sense that I'm loving this person to see what I can get from this person. Or I'm loving this person because I want there to be an effect of my love. I want to have the, um, the good feeling of seeing someone transformed. Is that love? It's not perfect love. It's not love. It's not willing the good of the other for the sake of the other. It's not purified, right? And we, and we need to be purified. We recognize this, especially in this most important task that's entrusted to us. We, and so when we're, when we're facing headwinds, when we're all the rest, and we continue to strive, when we persevere by faith in the life of great and costly love that we've been called to, headwinds, good. They serve as the possibility of purification for us letting us know that we're doing this for no other reason than to do it. We're doing it for no other reason than to trust and follow Jesus, than to live the God-centered life, than to bring his love to life. Blessed are we. And can I say, that's the foundation of the Beatitudes. We're living the life of great and costly love. We're living this, the uh, salt and light life that Jesus has called us to. We're, li- we're, we're uh, say, growing into the mission that will have God turn his upside-down world right-side-up. We're living into that, and so we're facing these realities. I think I probably just have to say a word or two. You know what I could, you know what I could do? Can anybody think of it? I could work my way down the Beatitudes, right? Hey, look, I could do it. Maybe you need me, maybe you need me to some other time. I also think that we ought to spend time with the scriptures, yeah? So it's, it'd be a very good exercise to spend time with the Beatitudes. And on your, on your level, like where you are, allow God to, to speak to you there and see where these blessed are, are actually characteristics of, of the life lived in Christ and a life lived totally for God and his purposes, right? To see them as, to see them as blessings then. But I just, I want to say just a couple, a couple words, right? We started, start in the beginning. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It's, it's tough. I think some, I think if we were to see, um, poor in spirit as humble, in this, in the sense that, you know, as, as God's creature and as his, as his beloved son, I recognize that my whole, my whole life is, is a gift from him. I, I, am, I, I am eager uh, to not be uh, rich in spirit, in the sense of to be full of myself, so as to, to not give him the ground that he needs to pour himself out into my heart and into my life. Right, so poor in spirit is recognizing my great need for God. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have anything without him. And coming to him in my humility and in poverty... I allow him to fill me with the riches of his grace, with the riches of his own life of love. And that, and that animates me. The, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? Those who are full of... I hate this. Yeah, no, do I? No, I don't. Okay. Those who, are full, <laughs> those who are full of themselves don't have a place in God's kingdom. 
They don't. They, those, those who are so full of themselves that God's love can't enter and take hold, they have no place in the kingdom of heaven. And by kingdom of heaven, I mean the kingdom of God. I mean God's rule, God's reign. Right? God, God is king. And, uh, and he will be revealed on the last day as king. Jesus will be revealed as God's anointed king on the last day. And all will be made subject to him. But we are those, we are the, we are that people who lives as an advanced sign of God's kingdom. We live under his rule now and we advance his rule now. That's, that's our purpose, right? We talk about mission statements. That's also the mission statement, yeah? We, li- we live under God's rule and we advance his rule now. We do it by, by, uh, by living in conformity with the, with the life of love. Okay, so he, he has to take possession of us and he only takes possession of us and makes us free to live for his kingdom now if we are poor in spirit. Right, so blessed are you, right? It might not look good to the outside world, right? I mean, it's, I don't, it doesn't look good anyway. People are full of themselves. It, I don't know what that looks like. A gaudy and, like we see that people, I don't know. I, no, I'm not going to say anything more. I don't want to upset people this morning, but this is just, it's a one-off, okay? <laughs> don't, get used, don't get used to it. I don't want to say, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. What does it mean to be meek? I know people, I know we say, well, meek is not weak. Right, and and that's true. But I think it. I think this will make sense. We go back and look at some of the uh, antonyms for uh, for meek, and uh, one of them that I found that I thought was exactly right was overbearing. So the opposite of meek is overbearing. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, good. Okay, good. I don't want to get into it too much. Yeah, overbearing. Right. So the opposite of overbearing is what? It's it's someone who takes the God-given reality as it is, and, and works within that God-given reality to advance God's purposes in a, in, a, in a way that accords with the circumstance and the situation, yeah? Being overbearing is having to, having to impose my will on the situation, right? And it's only the, it's the meek who will inherit the land because it's, the, it's only those who are going to be squarely focused on uh, the God-given purpose of a thing that can stand to, to possess it. Why? Because they will use it for, for uh, its God-given purpose. It's those who are always eager to impose their own will on something who in the end can't be given anything because they will use it for their own purposes. Right? So this is, again, it's, it's Christian-shaped living. Let me, I'll jump to the end, right? Because there are there are a lot of yeah. There are a lot of them here. Okay, so I'll jump to the end, and it's it's this is like the kind of the essential quality of all. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Jesus at the center. That's it. So this is the mission, right? To to live the life of great and costly love that, that we've been called to, for us, Jesus has to be at the very, very center. There's no way, there's no way for us to do it. When Jesus is at the center, we're wound up on his mission. We're living those lives of great and costly love. You know what then? Whatever comes our way, so be it. It doesn't matter. And blessed are we if we face the toughest of it 
because then we will find ourselves liberated to live more fully the life of heaven here and now. Right? Riches, as he said, your reward will be great in heaven. Your reward will be great in heavenly terms. Your love will be purified. Your faith will be strong. Right? Your, your, your hope will have a firm foundation. Why? Because Jesus is at the center. So today we just, this is us. This is, and this is our prayer. This is our, this is our life lived in, in faith. We, we are gathered together to be nourished and sustained in this blessed life that we've been called to. And we know that it's, we know that it's not easy, but that we, we know that we can persevere by faith in the life of great and costly love that Jesus has lived for us and that he's summoned us into.